Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bible Time with Pastor Brian. This is, of course, your host, Pastor Brian, and maybe, hopefully, um, we're going to be back on track with getting things out weekly. I apologize for the another week hiatus and also being a couple days late on getting this out to you here today. Um, I was out of town last week, and then I've actually been doing some work around the house to try to get myself a good recording setup for this podcast. So, hopefully, maybe possibly it's noticeable that i have done this and it this might sound a little bit better hopefully it does that's my goal that's what i've been trying to work for but once again i do apologize for being so uh spotty i guess you could say over the summertime but hopefully we're going to get back on track with that and here we have today our 17th episode of bible time so really exciting about that and we're continuing on on our look on how the disciples died. This is our third part of doing that. We talked about Peter, we talked about Andrew, and today we're actually going to talk about four different disciples, and then next week we're going to talk about another four. So for today, we're going to talk about Thomas, Philip, Matthew, and Bartholomew. And then I'm going to do a separate episode later on John, so don't worry about him yet. We're going to do those four here today. So starting with Thomas, um, most of you probably know him as Doubting Thomas from the story in John 20 where Jesus appears to the disciples and Thomas isn't there. So they tell him about it. They're all excited. And he says, well, I'm not going to believe unless I can touch him, unless I can put my hand into his side and feel the marks of the nails in his hands. And then the next time Jesus shows up, Thomas is present. And Jesus, you know, being who Jesus is, tells Thomas, he said, hey, here, look, stick your hand in my side. Put your your fingers um, through the holes in my hand. And we don't know whether or not Thomas did that or not, but he did recognize uh, that Jesus was actually risen from the dead. So that's the same guy we're talking about here. Now, what does tradition say about what happens to Thomas after the Gospels? There's actually a book or a letter, I guess you could call it more than that, called The Acts of Thomas. And it is apocryphal. In nature, we talked about Lucius Carinus uh, next last time. I think that we talked when we talked about Andrew, and supposedly he also wrote the Acts of Thomas as well. I think we actually talked about that in last podcast too. But same guy that supposedly wrote the Acts of Andrew wrote the Acts of Thomas as well. A little bit fanciful, just just putting that out there. Claims that Thomas left Jerusalem, traveled to Syria, left for India after that, and modern-day Afghanistan, and then was killed by spears by orders of the monarch, Miss Deus, for converting his wife and some servants. Now, is this trustworthy? Is something you might be wondering. So, Ephraim, the Syrian, writing in the mid-4th century, so about the like, 350 AD, somewhere in there, believes that Thomas was martyred in India. Origen and Eusebius also think the same thing, writing about a century apart from each other. They believe that Thomas went to India and was killed there. Conclusion was that Thomas probably did die in India or Afghanistan. And the Acts of Thomas were a fictionalized version of the real account. Um, one thing that I didn't know for the longest time until I actually started researching into church history, talked about it in some classes when I was in college, is the fact that in the few centuries that followed the Gospels, 
you had some people write some really, really, really crazy stuff about the disciples and things that they did. And the Gospel of Thomas, or not Gospel of Thomas, there is a Gospel of Thomas um, that's also floating around out there. Another apocryphal text. Not going to get into that today. But the Acts of Thomas, the Acts of Andrew, things along those lines, they go very fanciful with what they talk about. They're very much kind of in the realm of what seems like Christian fan fiction, where somebody took the truth of Scripture, good, solid stories about those people, and then kind of gave them a very fantastic twist on it, where they had things happen that really didn't happen, just to make that uh, person that they're talking about look better, I guess. But my conclusion on Thomas is that Thomas probably did die in India or Afghanistan. The Acts of Thomas were a fictionalized version of the real account. Now, next guy, we've got Philip. He was one of the few that we actually hear about after the Gospels. So if you go and read in the book of Acts, specifically in chapter number 8, you get the separate account of Philip. Um, but once again, nothing about his death or future plans. We've talked about this already, only two of the apostles, like the original ones. They're, the only two of their deaths are mentioned. But nothing is mentioned about Philip and his future plans or about him dying or anything. But we do know that he died, more than likely, um, a horrible way. We do, we do know that he died. That's not the more than likely part. That part's confirmed. But how, where, those things are up for debate. Once again, what does tradition say? So he did preach in Greece, in Syria, in an area called Phrygia which is located in modern-day Turkey, there is an apocryphal letter that had been floating around in the early church probably in the 2nd century-ish. We don't have any surviving copies from that era, but we do have people that talked about it from that era. So we think that it could have been a thing, possibly back then. And it was called a letter from Peter to Philip. And according to the letter, it says that Philip left the others pretty early, probably not too long after Pentecost that he didn't stick around for very long, that he was gone pretty quickly. And some scholars, actually quite a few of them, think that maybe the letter was genuine. Does that mean it's divinely inspired? No. But it could be genuine because it would fit. If you go and read Acts, it seems like the whole story between Philip and the eunuch in Acts 8 kind of puts him away from the rest of the disciples. And seemingly on purpose, like it separates, it tells the stories of the disciples, of course, after Jesus' um, resurrection and ascension. But with Philip, it just gives this story, just kind of out in the middle of nowhere about the eunuch. But either way, um, some say that that could be part of it. I'm not very convinced. i got to do some more digging into that, I guess, before I have the actual solid opinion about that one. There's also a book called The Acts of Philip, um, just like The Acts of Thomas and The Acts of Andrew. And it was written about the 4th century, which is about the same time that Lucius Carinius was writing the other two. Now, no source that I found talked about who wrote The Acts of Philip. Some people seem to think it could be Lucius, but Lucius had a tendency to put his name on stuff that he wrote, um, or at least kind of alluded to himself to where you could kind of tell that he was the one that did it. 
And that doesn't happen in the Acts of Philip. So maybe he wrote it, maybe he didn't. Could have been somebody that liked um, what Lucius had wrote about Andrew and Bartholomew. Not Bartholomew. Um, Andrew and... Uh, we just talked about him. Oh my goodness. Uh, Thomas. Sorry about that. Brain went blank for a second. So, anywho. Um, the Acts of Philip is very fanciful. It's even more so than Thomas is. The same... Like some of the stuff that's contained in it anyway seems more like it should belong in Harry Potter or uh, Chronicles of Narnia or Lord of the Rings than in Scripture. So, once again, not divinely inspired. Good source of information? Maybe. Good background info, kind of get an idea of what's going on at the time? Possibly. But don't look at, don't go to the Acts of Philip looking for a lot of scriptural truth because there's, there's not a lot. Um, one of the stories in the Acts of Philip is him converting a talking leopard um, to Christianity. So then there's that. But anyway, after uh, all the events of Pentecost and everything and him leaving, he ends up in the city of Hierapolis, and this is supposedly where he dies. And apparently he went there with Bartholomew, which we'll get to right after this, where they were both condemned to death by crucifixion and upside down after converting the wife of the proconsul. Kind of sound familiar to me. Maybe it does to you, too. This is the third story of a disciple that's currently, or not currently, but back then, anyway, that is being executed for converting the wife of the leader in the area that he's in at the time. So it seems like a lot of these same stories are being, uh, I don't want to say regurgitated, I guess, but it seems to me that that just struck a chord with people back then, maybe. And so these people that are writing the Acts of Philip, Acts of Andrew, Acts of uh, Thomas are trying to tap into that at this at this uh, era in history. But then again, we don't know. They could have all had the same issue happen. But it seems quite uh, improbable, I guess, to think that they were all doing the same thing at the same time. But either way there, uh, sorry, I stepped away from the mic for a second. Didn't mean to do that. So, the crowd, after hearing Philip and Bartholomew preach, um, they decided to compel the leader to let them go. And the leader lets Bartholomew go, and then they go to let go of Philip, and Philip says, no, no, leave me here. This is my destiny. I'm supposed to die here today. Leave me alone. So Philip dies. So, there's also another account that goes along these same lines where they're in the middle of all of this um, in the city of Heriopolis, and they go to this temple that is where they worship a snake deity of some sort, and Philip actually kills a snake just by praying and preaching the gospel to the snake and kills it. And the priest of the temple gets really mad. And he's the one that has Philip put to death and Bartholomew put to death. And in the midst of their execution, there's a huge earthquake. And in the midst of the earthquake, Philip and Bartholomew pray for their deliverance and they're all spared. And so at that point, they're like, oh, we need to let these guys go. They're actually pretty good guys. And they let them go. Then there's also another account that Bartholomew did not follow Philip to Heriopolis and that Philip was actually beheaded there instead. So, 
three different accounts. There is a tomb, traditionally speaking, that is believed to belong to Philip that was located in the city of Heriopolis. And for many, many, many years, people didn't really think that it was true, I guess. They thought it was more of a traditional thing. You know, the early um, early goings of the Catholic Church, they were really, really big on relics. They really wanted to find these relics of the disciples, of the apostles, uh, bones and um, rods and staffs and items that mattered a lot to specific disciples. And so some people thought that they were just saying that because of things along that nature, where they could go to the tomb of Philip and pray um, to him for certain things. But they actually, archaeologically, they did actually excavate a tomb in the area in Heriopolis and found out that it was from the first century, and the person that was buried there was... Um, not from Heriopolis, I guess is the best way to put it. They were from an area closer to modern-day Israel instead. This was back in the 1880s, I believe, so the technology at that time to determine those things was a little bit uh, unreliable, to say the least. But as years went on into the 1930s and 40s, when technology was getting better, they actually tested a little bit more and found that to be actually quite true. But anyway, trustworthiness of the accounts here. Uh, Eusebius, we've talked about him before. In his ecclesiastical history, he talks about Philip sleeping in Heriopolis, which if you know the New Testament, you know that that's a, uh, I don't know, I can't even think of the word for a word that has a double meaning. But it's symbolic, I guess, is a good way to put it too that a lot of times Paul would talk about the saints that have fallen asleep in Jesus as being the ones that have died. And so that's what Eusebius is insinuating here, is that Philip died in Heriopolis, and that's where he's currently buried at the time. Other than that, not a lot of accounts about Philip. Not a bunch. So my conclusion. Philip probably died in Heriopolis as a result of preaching the gospel. How? I don't know exactly why, like what story led to, or what was the story that led to him being executed? No clue. No idea on any of these. But I can say for pretty good surety here that he was killed. He was martyred. More than likely in the city of Heriopolis. And don't know when. I, I don't have a year for that either. Um, none of the things that I dug up had any sort of semblance of a year or a time frame that Philip would have been executed. So, um, moving on to Bartholomew. He was kind of a lesser known um, of the disciples. He only pops up a few times in the Gospels. He's also called Nathaniel in uh, Scripture. Traditionally speaking, I already talked about his little visit with Philip there. Uh, Eusebius, though, who's once again pretty trustworthy, doesn't even mention Bartholomew going with Philip. That's from a totally different account. That's from the Acts of uh, Philip. Eusebius, on the other hand, believed that Bartholomew instead went to India, and he left a copy of the Gospel of Matthew there when he was preaching, because later on there was somebody else that was sent there, and my brain is not wanting to compute what it is or who it was. And they went to India and found a group of people already serving Jesus, already worshiping the Lord. 
and they had a copy of the Gospel of Matthew, and they said that Bartholomew was the one who brought it to them. Now, there is a small argument about what uh, Eusebius means by the word India, and some scholars, for some reason, back in the 1890s, early 1900s, believed that he could have meant Ethiopia or Arabia, but that doesn't really pan out, because other writers in that same era, specifically other early church writers like Irenaeus and others, they had no issue with India not being the real India. When they said India, or at least their word for India, they, they meant what we would now consider to be India, or at least that region of the world, not Ethiopia or Arabia, two completely different areas. And Jerome also had the same idea, uh, writing in the 4th century there. There are three accounts of the death of, Bartholo or of Bartholomew. The first one was that he was kidnapped, beaten unconscious, and then tossed in the sea to drown. The second one was that he was crucified upside down in the year 71 AD in either Azerbaijan or Turkey. Who does that kind of sound like? Kind of sounds like Peter and Andrew, doesn't it? This whole idea of being crucified in a different way other than Jesus. And then the third one, and I will warn you, this one is pretty rough. Um, it's so far the roughest one of any of the disciples that I have heard about so far. And the third account of his death is that he was skinned alive and then he was beheaded in uh, the region we would now call Armenia in the Caspian Mount, or not Caspian Mount, in the Caucasus Mountains beside the Caspian Sea there um, in modern day Armenia, Georgia, Russia, in that range there. Trustworthy? No, not even one of the respected early church writers such as Jerome, Origen, Eusebius mentioned Bartholomew slash Nathaniel's death. None of them. None of them at all. Um, Eusebius, like we just talked about a second ago, he mentioned that Bartholomew had went to India, but he mentions nothing else about what happens while he's there. He, You can kind of infer that he probably died there because it doesn't talk about him going anywhere else, but once again, not really sure. Conclusion, Bartholomew was killed somewhere, probably in a very horrible way. Where? No idea. How? No clue. When? Once again, I don't know. And there's no um, solid resource out there to point towards otherwise. Now, the last one that we'll talk about here today is a little bit more famous, I guess, than a few of the other ones that we've talked about today, and that would be Matthew. Matthew, obviously, um, you've probably heard this already, he was, his other name was Levi, he was one of the gospel writers, he was a tax collector, he was one of Jesus' earliest disciples. What about the tradition behind him? Irenaeus and Clement of Alexandria say that he started in Judea, which is the area around Jerusalem, of course, before leaving for other places. Now, it's said that he didn't leave there until he had the gospel um, written out for them in their language. So that's led a lot of scholars to believe, since Irenaeus and Clement are writing very, very early, like just a couple centuries after um, the life of Christ and then the life of the disciples, that he wrote his gospel originally in Hebrew, which is interesting, because the other ones more than likely were written in Greek first. His was not. His was written in Hebrew, quite possibly. 
Um, some people have actually theorized that Matthew probably couldn't even speak Greek. Um, being from the region of Judea, he could probably speak Hebrew and probably speak Aramaic. Maybe understand Greek enough to get around, but maybe not enough to write a whole gospel in that language. But it's neither here or there. I don't know for sure. That's, I'm just telling you some of the things that I've learned through my studies on this topic. But anywho, continuing on here. So Eusebius claims that Matthew gave copies of his gospel everywhere that he went, not just in Judea, but in other places that he traveled to. And it's said that he traveled to Ethiopia, where he was martyred after supposedly calling a king out for lusting after a young woman. Um, called him out inside of a temple area of worship. We would consider it a church, but it was a synagogue, I'm pretty sure. And Matthew calls him out on it. And then the guy gets mad, and he has Matthew killed where he's standing. And he, he just has one of his guards just go up to him and just kill him. Um, so horrible, horrible way to go there for Matthew. And that account actually comes from the Babylonian Talmud, which is interesting because the Talmud is not Christian. Not even in the slightest is it Christian. It's rabbinical teachings from 2nd, 3rd centuries um, AD, so just 100, 200 years or so after Jesus. And so it's interesting that one of Jesus' disciples would pop up in there, and they call him Matthias in the Talmud, and they call him a martyred disciple of Jeshu, which, once again, it's like a Hebrew version of what we would uh, say Jesus. And they say that it happened in Ethiopia. So, trustworthiness, Irenaeus, Clement, and Eusebius are pretty trustworthy. And they mention Ethiopia as being somewhere Matthew spent a lot of time. Um, there was an early church, Maturology, um, which was just a piece of paper, a parchment, that had a bunch of different writings scribbled on it in Latin. And that was, it's like a prized possession of the Catholic Church now. But one of the things that's mentioned on there, it says, uh, S. Matai. K in Ethiopia, predicans materium passus est, which essentially just says that he was martyred in Ethiopia, but it doesn't say why, how, or when it occurred. It just says he was martyred, he was killed for the faith in Ethiopia. And that's, that's really it. So conclusion, Matthew was killed in Ethiopia. No solid evidence as to how, why, or when, like what method was used. Um... Because the Talmud, like I mentioned when we talked about um, Jonah beforehand, the Talmud is kind of hit or miss when it comes to telling the truth about things. It tends to be a little fanciful, kind of like the Acts of Thomas and Philip and those that we talked about at the beginning of this uh, podcast today. Andrew tend to be a little fanciful, tend to go a little crazy with some stuff every now and then. But it's still a resource that's out there, so... Apparently, around that time, that information was floating around, more than likely, um, because these people that are writing it, the rabbis, um, trying to teach truths to people, and a lot of times they would use personal experiences, things that were going on at the time, to try to connect what's going on in the Torah to life. And some of the ways that they did that was they talked about historical events of the day. One of those historical events martyrdom of Matthew here. So, could possibly be 
part of it, um, the talent that it could be. But all of those other guys are pretty uh, strong in their truthfulness and their trustworthiness when it comes to early church matters. And they all mentioned about Matthew being in Ethiopia. So that will conclude it for tonight. We'll pick up with um, the next four next week. And hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll be able to get everything uh, set up, ready to go, ready to rock and roll uh, for us then. So I'm going to pray, and I will see you guys next week. God, as we come before you here tonight, we're just so blessed and so humbled, so grateful for this day that you've given us and for the ability that you've given me to record this podcast. And I thank you, God, for the blessings you bestowed upon me that allow me to be here and to communicate um, these things to the people that are listening. And, Father, I don't know when they're going to be listening to this, whether it's tomorrow or a week from now or even years from now in the future. I pray, God, that you would just continue to give them strength and give them guidance and uh, give them leadership and comfort as well. And I pray you continue to do the same for me as we continue on through uh, the fate of the disciples here. And I pray, God, that you would get all the glory and the honor for everything you do. And we love you. God, we praise you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we do humbly pray. Amen. Thank you guys again. And I will see you next week.